strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. We're excited to dive into a lot this week. We've got online World Series of Poker going on and a lot more. And Sean, who's a guest appearance today, childhood friend who was a big part of helping us with these grassroots efforts. Great having you on and uh, spot of Corey who's traveling today. I'm sure you could attest to this from our days in Denver, Bloomington, Boulder on the ground. Uh, how important community building is. And I figured with this podcast, I was talking to Dan a few weeks ago. I know I molded over with you too. I always loved the whole humans of New York aspect of how that was built. And I figured with what we're doing with competing against Uber and DoorDash and all these huge brands, the best way to distinguish ourselves is by being people and you know humanizing the space. When Dan always jokes around, if we were ever on CNBC talking about our company, what makes you guys different? We're human going against robots. So I think it's cool. We're having on a guy today, Rand Jenkins, who actually is a business owner in Flagstaff. And he is the uh, founder of Mountain Mojo Group, which happens to be a marketing firm. And Dan has a shitty eating grin on his face over there. I think Miles is entertaining him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's where we're at. He's joining us in like 30 minutes. Uh, in other news, Kanj and I, Dan, have been contemplating World Series of Poker online nosedive or hopefully rocket ship. We, you know, last couple of years we were in Vegas together, Dan, for the regular World Series. With the pandemic, it's not happening, but they have some great events going on. One of which I have my eye on that starts in about three hours. Yeah, man, you guys definitely got to do that. That honestly sounds awesome. I'm jealous I'm not there with you to do that. The only thing we'd have to do is go across the river to New Jersey and play since... Which is easy. It is easy. It, it, I'm, I'm leaving this game time decision at the conch. It's tempting. It's, uh... It is tempting. Conch seems like he's in that mode of like ready to run deep. What's cool about this is this is a one-day tournament, so... I know that appeals to both Kanj and I and Dan. Hopefully you'll join us in one of these one of these days. Those whole where, you know, you go to bed knowing you can win without having to show up again the next day. How many people are in it? I don't know. A good amount. It's a huge guarantee. I figure it's one of those tournaments that'll go, you know, till wee hours of the night. Yeah. I mean, look, I almost think playing online poker for a World Series of uh, poker event for the bracelet, it's almost better than live. Well, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's really fun when you're in Vegas with all those people and it's such a scene there. And it I has do. A shelf life in, it has a very, Sean and I were talking about this, the whole endurance thing where it's you're able to, you yeah. know, you, you want to go smoke a ball, listen to music. You can't do that in a live tournament or you're sprinting out of there. You have no break. Online, you can go watch a movie, get some coffee, whatever. Yeah, yeah it's honestly exhausting. Yeah, but that's where we're at. And then I ask myself, if we are doing that, what's the perfect food? Dan, you've had experience with long tournament runs. What's the perfect food to eat during those? 
Ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> that sounds like a victory lap food when you're at the final table winning. Yeah. I got to go with a hand of food, something like a burrito. Well, Akanj, I guess if you're not at the actual tables, you can do that. If you're at the table, it's like, it's tough because you don't want to be eating something that you're going to have to use your fingers with. You almost have to use a utensil. Like I would go with dumplings. If I was starving at the table, I'm going something that I can use with chopsticks or a fork. When I see people eating at those tables, like going hard on a steak sandwich or like a burger or a sandwich, that's an amateur foodie when you think about it. Like that's uh, something that's, or just has no problem getting really sick. Honestly, um, I'd go with something intimidating, like a dragon fruit. <laughs> dragon fruit. Speaking Keep of dragon fruit, I'm reading the, Jeff's going to come on next week. We're going to do the uh, biggest bluff, the book I'm actually right. in the middle of. They, you know, I found out in that book, the dragon fly is actually the king of the jungle, not the lion because of the accuracy in killing its prey. It, it has 95% accuracy rate. What's it eat? Uh, the lion's like second, which is like, I, I think around a third, but the overall, and the cheetah is actually, I think a, a bit of about the lion in that aspect, but the dragonfly is actually way above every other living creature in the wilderness when it comes to killing. What, what is it? Yeah. They were talking to Eric Seidel. This author was basically calling him the dragonfly. Because that that's like the ultimate. Mike, what does it eat? Oh, what does it eat? Yeah, we keep asking that. Same it eats bugs. It eats literally like small insects and things like that. But it's a, it just is very efficient with its prey. Like it goes in for the kill and it's not like a bird that you're seeing coming up missing from the water half the time. This thing goes in and it most of the time is hitting. Imagine swatting flies 95% of the time, Sean. Yeah. So I just looked it up. Dragonflies are friends because they eat mosquitoes. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, that might be my new nickname I coined for myself, the dragonfly. I like it. There's some huge dragonflies here. They're cool. I've always yeah. liked dragonflies. So them and young man probably get along because the man They're hates mosquitoes. Is Miles coming on for a cameo today, Dan? He might come on a little bit later. I told him we're doing it. Nice. Yeah. So uh, any current events brewing? What's going on? You know, something that I thought was pretty cool that I just saw was the United Arabs nation kicked off a space mission to go to Mars. I think on Sunday. Yeah. Wonder what's it's true. It's the, it's the first space flight in the entire Arab world, actually. Wow. Like, I think that's amazing. That's not so, getting enough hype up. What do you think is going to come of that? I mean, as far like, what do I think they're doing? Well, is there going to be way more funding going into space? At the, when you think about how much money there is in that neck of the woods, if they're starting to get behind this whole movement, are they like, oh, well, let's compete with Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. We have a lot of cash. Probably. And also, like, you know, if there's companies like Virgin Galactic that are trying to do commercial travel, it's probably just a, a sexy industry right now to throw money at space. You know? If, if, you guys have, if you haven't seen the New Year's Eve celebration at the United Arab Emirates in Dubai, 
their fireworks show is next level. So I'm hoping for a space fireworks show. That's my hope. So maybe they're setting the bar on a new high for, for the world with now them getting into the arena. We're going to start seeing next level. Like Elon Musk is going to come out and say, hey, we just actually created a new planet. Didn't discover. Well, like what's next here with this? I mean, there's a long ways to go, but they're, I think what's good is they're finally like getting back into it and making it a big deal. It seems like there was a long gap throughout our lifetime where no one really cared about space travel. Well, until entrepreneurs took over, right? All of a sudden when you have like literally go-getter startup guys, look what happens. Now the space is sexy again. When you left it to the government, it kind of hit a long drag bar for decades. 100%. And yeah, I mean, space, it's exciting. You know, even if it doesn't really have any true purpose other than just excitement in the world. And I know there is a lot of reasoning behind why, you know, people like Elon Musk are trying to make life on Mars. I get all that. But just even for us to be able to talk about the notion of space travel, you know, gives humans something that's out there and exciting and sci-fi-ish. It's cool. We need that. Well, there's so much we don't know out there. And it's I think with that too, I know I was talking off air with Sean about this, Dan, that we're actually, it looks like heading for a population. Me and you were talking about this on the uh, show the other day with dad too, the population decrease. So yeah. that kind of goes hand in hand with space travel. For a while, we were worried about overpopulation. That was the narrative for so long. What do you guys think now that it actually looks like that is not going to be the case? Well, I'll throw this one to you because I, I think you know a lot more about this than me, but I have an opinion that I'll get after you. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest upside of space travel, um, what's always been said, is that you're essentially putting a bunch of scientists in a room to solve a problem. And in the process, they invent all these things in order to solve that problem of reaching that goal. So we've invented everything from microwave ovens to advancement in Wi-Fi, radio wave technology, all through actually the moon landing project. So. Hopefully new good inventions to come. Oh, that's crazy. I never knew that. Yeah. What's your thoughts, Dan? Well, no, I was just going to say, I don't necessarily know if uh, population downsizing is going to fix the problems that seem like they're somewhat immediate with our Earth needing to figure out, you know, possibly a plan B in case things go south, you know? Seems well, that like has helped with that, the whole us on pause with the virus. I mean, I think it gave them something that they could shove down people's throats. It's like, oh, look at how good this was for the environment. But when you say it gave it a pause, I mean, let's be real. Well, no, it, it set things back. It, it gave us way more runway for really smart people to figure solutions out. I read that it didn't give any runway. And it was like, obviously, there was a lot less going on. But basically, the amount less that was going on was significantly higher still than what our earth needs for to kind of maintain yeah. itself. That, that should matter. 15 years it set back the omission actual rate from the pause for a few months from supposedly like that's that's what it was from satellites proving that we've been set back 15 years. Gotcha. And I guess the question there is, do we need to be set back like 80? Is 15 years anything? No, no. No, I think with the advancement in technology, that gives us enough runway where I'm, I'm personally bullish on things getting figured out. Humanity is pretty resilient. When you give the, all of a sudden you've got the time ticker. Oh, that shot clock is actually expanded by another level. Um, that pumps me up. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not in the camp of people that think a natural disaster is going to destroy our Earth. I mean, I'm sure at some point it will, because everything comes and everything goes, and that's just life, just like Earth. But Dan, you know how our world works. Like, our society, until we get kicked in the ass, we don't pay attention. So until we see, like, Florida over-flooded where no one's living there anymore, no one's going to take that seriously. It's true, yeah. That's where the preventative measures have to happen. (laughs) for that actually is the case. Like we saw with this pandemic, which, you know, that's for a whole nother discussion, but our healthcare system was a mess. But is it going to be like a series of really bad hurricanes, for example, like Katrina, or is it going to be like a gradual thing where all of a sudden, like you said, Florida is no longer livable, or is it going to just be, you know, things that people react to short term and ultimately nothing will actually change. Well, I think that's a gradual, like that's been a gradual process. Well, there's right? going to be like places throughout the world that are no longer livable in the future. And are they going to well, fix it or are they going to just like move those people somewhere else? Probably the latter. I think it depends. I mean, that it was up until this pandemic, I think, Sean, I know you were a big proponent. Florida, what, had a few years left? Something like that. The first area of the world that's supposedly impacted is West Africa, which has very risen uh, 2.5 degrees Celsius in the last 40 years, I think, if I last checked. I might be wrong. But, um, but yeah, that's the canary in the coal mine. So we'll see what people do. Yeah. Are you uh, one of those people that think this was all kind of staged because we needed to pause the, the activity in the world in order to save the world long term? Dude, I, Mike's been big on that. I, I, I didn't say this was staged by that for that specific reason well, i think that was one of the perks that came out of this yeah I, I really hope there's people that smart that are able to pull that off on that kind of level otherwise we might be in trouble yeah i mean it's, it might be aliens pulling the strings but, i don't know if humans are smart enough to keep everyone alive this long yeah i, I don't think it is just because i don't have a lot of faith in our organization as a whole the world's too complicated to be run by emotional creatures being humans like ever since that last nuke went off, you wonder, like, you know, it, it, we always have those conversations, like what actually went down there. Con, you have, uh, you have some food jeopardy for us today? I'm actually changing it up because Corey is uh, a harder worker than me, and I'm changing it to food trivia because I didn't want to come up with 25 different questions for you guys to choose from. Good call. So. Here's what we're doing. We're doing six categories. You each get three questions. If you tie, there's a tiebreaker question. So who wants to go first? Dan is going. He needs uh, all the heads up, the head start he can get here. Yeah, I'm not good at these games. I keep getting put on the spot. <laughs> all right, here we go, Dan. Here's a good luck. We got desserts, food production, sweets, popular brands, breakfast, and the black market. I think I'll do, I, I just get to choose one. You choose one at a time, yes. I think I'll do breakfast. Breakfast. Fruit Loops come in how many different, wait, let me phrase that. Fruit Loops come in how many differently flavored loops? Wow. Six. So the, the answer is one. The different colors are all the same blended fruit. Great question, Dan. Yeah. Ooh, you should have, that was one of our Friday foodie trivias back in the day, too. Was it? Uh, well, no, and if he, he had a heads up, a huge head advantage there. Well, that's uh, zero for Dan so far. Now, Mike, 
The categories left are desserts, food production, spices, popular brands, and the black market. Let's go with the black market. I like it. I was hoping you would do that. The black market. What is the most commonly stolen food in the world? Candy, fruit, cheese, or nuts? Cheese, obviously. Fruit. Uh, there you go. Four percent of the world's production of cheese is stolen each year. That is oh, correct. My guess would have been fruit because I think about movies. That's like the obvious movies. one there, but cheese is a gem. Dan, you just don't like cheese. That's what I was that literally going to say. Like not even just fruit, but specifically an apple. Yeah, that's what I would have guessed. It's all bad too quickly. What? Uh, yeah. Well, you could have stinky cheese. You know. Cheese is so gross. I love cheese. <laughs> I, I stopped at this cheese farm in France once. And, and you loved it. No, it was the most disgusting place in my life. They were you like, should have sent me some of that. Dude, I love cheese. It's There were flies everywhere. It was you really, so, you've got to start getting on the cheese train, Dan. We need I you. I didn't even walk in the shop. I almost like puked. It was, the smell was so over. You just signed up Fat Dan, so you're going to start eating some cheese. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's see. All right, Dan, you're up. We got one nothing. Categories after desserts. What do you mean Dan's production. up? I'm up one nothing. No, I mean Dan's turn is up. Mike, oh. you're you're up in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do dessert. Uh, name the country that can. Wait, sorry. Name the country that consumes the most pizza per capita each year: Italy, U.S., Japan, or Norway. Wow, the fact that Norway is in there throws me for <laughs> loop. I'm gonna have to say U.S. Wow, you almost had it. It's Norway. Yes. Obviously. Man, how did you not take that one? I, I just I, throwing that I, I thought it was just there to throw me off. That's like but. that trick question on a test that is like the obvious answer, but you're like, wait, that's too far fetched. I can't. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Because I was thinking the three other places, like obviously you're gonna put Italy on there. Hans was one of the SAT writers. Like that that's a perfect SAT yeah. type of question. Gotcha. So Norway, they have people consume eleven pies per year on average. Most in the world. Wow. Yeah. So they're getting one a month. That's it. They're not eating that much pizza. I mean, that's a whole pie that a person eats. I had half a pie to the face last night. I should have gone with the full. Well, you're you're a champion. Yeah, I yeah. feel like I eat way more than your average normal. Well, Dan, you're not Scandinavian. That's true. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. And for an American, you don't eat anything. That's the I'm funniest sure. part. I've been kind of lacking on the eating. I gotta pick it up. Yeah, you. USA is number two, actually. Yep, there they, we go. They eat 350 slices per second in the United Makes States. Makes sense. There's yeah. pizza places everywhere you look. Yeah. All right, Mike, you're, you have a chance to take a commanding lead here. Food production, spices, or popular brands? Let's go popular brands. Popular brands. One-fourth of the entire world's supply of hazelnuts is used to produce this extremely popular product. Nutella. Wow, just instant. Yeah, yep. that's right. Boom, I feel baby. Like, like studies these things. Dude, you have to keep in mind. I don't food. You know me. When I like have an answer to something, I always remember it. I so I have written thousands of food trivia questions. I remember every one of them. For that's sure. one of them. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So if you lined up every bottle sold per year, it would circle the earth one and a half times. I've never, you know, I'm not a Nutella guy. If it's like a default thing, I'll go with it. But I've never been a fan. I remember once having it on a crepe being very disappointed. It's not chocolate. I don't want, like people are like, oh, it's like a great alternative. No, it's not. Don't compare it to chocolate. 
if you uh, want to just have it in its own category, I get it. Kudos to the inventor, genius. But I don't like it. Like it's not something. Just like I don't do almond butter on a almond butter and jelly sandwich doesn't work for me. It has to be peanut butter. There's certain things, you know, like I'm going to town on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Almond butter doesn't work. Yeah, I love both of those things. I don't, I don't like almond butter, Kanj. It just, I've tried it. One thing I will give you, it's good with peanut butter cups. Yeah. That I'm down with. Absolutely. Well, well, what did I say? Peanut butter cups. I meant chocolate cups. With yeah. almond butter. They're not bad. So Dan, don't get shut out here. You got one more left. Food production or spices? Food production. Find me. All right. So carminic acid is a type of red food dye used in Skittles. It is made from the ground up carcasses of this animal. Come Ants, on, beetles, cows, or Just chickens. Can you repeat the question? It's like carminic acid is a type of red food dye used in Skittles. It is wow. used, it is made from ground up carcasses of this animal. Ants, beetles, cows, or chickens. This is so easy, Dan. You got this. Think about what's shiny. What's what? What's shiny? What's beetles? There you go. All right. That's the correct answer. I appreciate yeah. the hint. Again, like, how do you know all these? Yeah, really. Because I'm the food trivia guy. What are you talking about? Foodie Fridays? How long have we been doing that? This is sure. good to know. I'm going to have to come up with some real weird I food trivia questions. Jeopardy, if there was such a thing at this point. Come yeah. I, I am actually starting to be convinced of it. Yeah, like grocery store aisle candy for 500, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's Where's see. All right, Mike, for the perfect victory. Yep. Spices. Which spice will cause the physical effects of a hallucinogenic drug when consumed in large portions? That's one of the choices. I was going to give you multiple choice. We'll go right ahead and give it to you. And the answer is no, it is nutmeg. Oh man, that was me being. See, that was my one. You're getting a little cocky there. I was. That was my one drawback back on multiple choice tests when I like knew shit really well. I'd <laughs> randomly get like a 98 because I'd have that idiotic that. There it is. Yeah. I got way too cocky there. Uh, so for all you out there that want to experiment, the amount is two tablespoons or more. Yeah. Oh boy. Don't give anyone any ideas there, Catch. Full disclosure, I'm saying not to do this. Yeah, not at home. Unless you're in some sort of lab experiment for something, which I know a lot of people are doing these days. You know, it's the pandemic. Should we give Rand a little conch? Great job on that. Well done, Mike. He won. Thank you. Um, so we got Rand Jenkins coming on, guys, in a few minutes. He has quite the history he was in the service industry for a long time, but he actually was a production assistant on MTV video and music award shows back starting in 2003. He's managed over 1,400 concerts, festivals, fundraisers, galas, and special events. He actually co-founded, owned, and operated Flagstaff's Green Room, which is a music venue and bar in Flagstaff for seven years. And he also was the GM of the Pepsi Amphitheater in Flagstaff for three years, which I know our brother Jeff was at a few times, uh, who, you know, for our viewers, Jeff lived in Flagstaff launching Lodell for us. I was out there for three months. Great town. Uh, talk about a hidden gem of a place in the country. And Rand lives there right now. He 
started a Mountain Mojo Group, a marketing firm with a part with partner Austin Leggett back in uh, late 2015. And they have a talented group of creatives that provide a unique approach to marketing strategy, website development, graphic design, advertising, media buys. I mean, guys, you know, we've been in this industry for a long time. We've worked with, if you remember, Ground Floor Media in Denver. I'm curious to see how Rand has been combating the pandemic world with clients. I'm very fascinated to hear, fascinated to hear about that because, you know, I think our efforts over the years, and it seems like looking up Rand's website and Instagram, they have a lot of cool stuff they do with community building. It's tough when we hear from a lot of these digital advertising people these days, like the amount of messages I get for us on LinkedIn that are just copy and paste. Oh, we'd love for you to consider advertising for website leads or this and that. It gets so just thrown into a blender. I almost look at it like a blender that already has so much stuff in it. You don't even know what's in it. And that's, I remember we had Hella Taha on here going over how LinkedIn's an open playground. And I think it is for anybody that's actually able to peacock their way out of that gook, which is few and far between. Rand, though, he has a very cool name. I think that brand's dope. That's kind of how I found him on LinkedIn. As I mentioned to you guys when we got on here, I thought it would be cool for us to start doing some community building through our podcast. So why not start having business owners that happen to be in one of our markets? We haven't really gone over our business as much as I thought we would when we started this podcast, Dan, and Sean being on here right now. It's interesting. Like We haven't really talked much low Dell. I figured we should have cut for a couple minutes here before we have on Rand, who's coming on in five. Uh, it's been quite the interesting stretch the last few months, you know, with this pandemic. We're actually in the middle of figuring out our next slew of expansion markets. Uh, and it's really interesting times. I think our industry has been one of the few that have not at all hit speed bumps throughout this. If anything, it's been the opposite. And it's more about figuring out what makes sense with expansion. And Dan and I, over the years, and Sean, you've been around it the whole time. You know, we've made a lot of great calls, a lot of bad calls. And I think we're trying to be really efficient with the way we're expanding now and methodical and not just throwing darts and seeing what sticks, but more first getting darts to stick before putting a board around it. So we're, uh, you know, really interested to see here where Lodell goes in the months ahead. We're expanding throughout the mountain West and it's, it's exciting. Dan, any thoughts? No, I mean, I think you just nailed it. I feel like we've talked about it a decent amount on this podcast, but not really. I, I thought about that earlier. That was a yeah, shower. Well, yeah, the pandemic has been good for e-commerce type businesses and digital businesses. We fall into that category expanding is going to be tough because it's also been good for our competitors. So nothing's really changed in our industry. Our industry just got more popular. And I think there's more inroads though, to build an actual rapport with a person than before this, where there's actually a way to have a conversation to distinguish yourself where people are seem way more present with that notion than before all this. Yeah, I definitely think this is going to make people take a harder look at 
yeah, I think this is going to make a, people take a harder look at which brands they support. And, you know, it, it's definitely, I think people kind of started to lose that. That was always a big thing in our society where people want to- Which is important, right? For America to be America. It's important to have that. Definitely. I think people overlook it and they don't really realize how easy it is to just support the the big boys like the Amazons of the world because, you know, sometimes it is easier and sometimes it is a little cheaper, but no one really wants to live in a world that's only run by the big giants. Where It was like Sean brought up when we were like a week ago walking around on the bridges, the whole- when it's too expensive for there to be an artist community organically, it's a, in a city, it's a problem. So, you know, which is very fascinating and enlightening to think about. So it's almost like maybe this is hitting the reset button and that's when you have new startups and young people with energy when they can afford to be places that spurn that. Yeah, it's interesting because that's such a good point. And I think this is going to hit some sort of reset, but a lot of it depends on what decisions are made and how they go about it. Like you hear so many things, people have so many different opinions, but like it was interesting. I know I brought it up this morning, what Kevin O'Leary was saying, where he's like, you got to let companies that are dying die. You got to stop trying to save companies that were probably already dying before. Yeah, they were already thinking. Yeah. And you got to let capitalism do what it does, which is shake out the weak and sur- the strong survive and things evolve and new businesses are created from the ruins of the ones that fell apart. And people, instead of getting paid to work for companies that were going to go out of business anyway, they should have been not doing that. And those people should have been working for new companies that were developed in this new world for companies that weren't going to go out of business. And that it's almost like when you do these stimulus packages to an extent you're preventing things from getting to where they're supposed to go on their own. And instead you're just keeping things as status quo. And it's a dangerous game to play because you kill productivity in, in the world when you zombify companies and you don't let weak companies that were going to die, die. So I yeah, think that's on. it's feast or famine. And uh, on that note, we have on, a resilient business owner himself, Rand Jenkins, is coming on air. Rand, how's it going, man? I'm well, thank you. How are y'all doing? Pretty good. Appreciate you coming on air and taking the time. You bet. I appreciate y'all having me. For sure. Uh, yeah, man, we were just going over, the, you know, crazy times during the pandemic, obviously, in our industry. It's kind of been a, a lot of just upheaval and drastic change overnight. And I'm curious to know what your life's been like, like compared to pre-pandemic, I guess, hopefully we could say post-pandemic now, but I guess we're kind of still in it. What, what's been going on in your world? Are, are you talking to me? Yeah. Sweet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been a little bit crazy as far as the, you know, me personally, uh, you know, I started our current business right now, four and a half years ago. And so I've been so dedicated to that. I, my lifestyle hasn't really changed much. You know, I guess I, I order a little bit more to go and a little bit less in house, but you know, I've been uh, office to home, office to home for, for quite a few years now. And uh, so that hasn't changed much as far as the business goes, you know, we took a, a pretty good dip in March and April. And then we kind of mellowed out in, in May and then June and July have really been, been good to us. We've been blessed with some, you know, a lot of people switching to digital and a lot of 
past clients uh, kind of shifting over to uh, getting into the digital space and shifting some of those traditional advertising dollars our way. Oh, that's awesome. So Rand, have you seen this trend has really worked in your favor with how your company operates to begin with? Uh, yeah, it has, uh, you know, as far as, you know, the services we offer, I feel like, you know, we were, we've kind of been positioned, everybody's evolving our way anyways. Um, it's, it's funny because they're actually kind of evolving away from social and they're away, evolving away from some of the things that used to be, we were waiting for people to evolve to us. Um, and if you've waited long enough, you're probably going to, to jump on a, a different, you know, search engine based or search based advertising campaign. But yeah, as far as the team goes, you know, we've already been doing zoom calls with our clients from around the country. Um, you know, we have a project management software, it's task oriented, so they technically could work from anywhere and do anything, um, that they wanted to, as far as, you know, hours. So the, the shift wasn't too bad when we went virtual. Um, it's just, you know, missing the energy and, and all the homies in the office. That's, that's about the biggest, the biggest difference. For sure. There's definitely something to be said for having that ability to, you know, give someone a hug, get someone pumped up. You know, there, there's a lot with that synergy. Do you see that coming back at all anytime soon in your arena? Uh, yeah, with us, you know, we've started to come back a couple days a week with whoever's comfortable coming back. Um, and the only difference is, um, you know, some people just got so used to virtual that they're, you know, settled into their office. We gave them a stipend to be able to, you know, get a desk and a chair and a mat and, you know, all of the things for them to work from home. Um, and some people just settled in and they're good to work from home and other people, you know, are ready to come back in. But when they come in, there's definitely like a little, there's a barrier. There's just a difference in the energy. Yeah. Usually there's a lot of hugs and high fives and it's just hesitance to do that. It's weird. I know, real, man. Real, real quick, Mike, I know you were talking about it before he hopped on, but Rand, could you just kind of summarize what your business is exactly? You bet. So, uh, you know, we're a digital agency first and foremost. We started with creative, um, but we sell four things. So we sell brand kits or logos um, or what most people call it. We sell websites. Uh, we sell strategies. So we build marketing strategies for small businesses, cities, organizations. Um, and then we do recurring services. And so our recurring clients, you know, hire us for a retainer. And then on a monthly, um, you know, we deliver everything from web dev to graphic design, uh, PR, social, a ton of SEO, PPC, uh, photo and video. Gotcha. Yeah, typical agency. And how large is your team right now? Uh, there's eight of us total. Wow, that's amazing. And are they all based in Flagstaff? We are, yes. Yeah, that was kind of one of our initial missions was to, to grow a business in Flagstaff and hopefully, you know, be able to pay people big city rates, but have them live in a place that where they can bike and hike and run and climb and, and do all the things that we love to do. Yeah, you, it's one of the, we were talking about that before you came on. I mean, my brother, Jeff, was out there uh, starting our business for over a year and I lived with him for three months. One of the nicest places in the country like a hidden gem town that if you've never been to, it's like, it's gotta be on the list. Yeah. It's a beauty. We're very, very lucky to be here. I've been here 15 years and I was only supposed to be here for one. So. Oh, yeah. wow. What brought you there initially? Uh, you know, I initially I dropped out of college back in like 99. I was going to the university of Florida and I was born and raised in Florida and 
I had some homies um, from the restaurant industry that had gone out to wait tables on the north rim of the Grand Canyon. And so I decided to take a summer off and cruise out to Arizona and then live on the, the north rim. And um, after doing that for two summers, I you know thought Flagstaff would be a cool spot, but I kind of wanted to go back to Florida and buy a house and start my life. And so I went back to Florida for a few years and and realized it wasn't really for me. They were building on the beaches and there's a ton of traffic and a whole lot of folks from, from where you're from uh, were moving down to, to where I had grown up. And um, so I wanted to get into a small town and I was like, man, I should jam out to Flagstaff for a little bit and give that a go. Uh, and then as soon as I got there, I just, it had everything I needed. Well, everything except for the ocean, but you can't, you can't have everything. And is it, is there something about the Grand Canyon that you think inspires a lot of people with music? Because I see looking at your background, when I was looking you up on LinkedIn, it seems like you have a lot of passion for music and a lot of background in it. Is something, did something inspire you when you got to Arizona or was that something you had in you before then? You know, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, for me personally, I feel like uh, whenever I am, you know, next to the ocean or, you know, sometimes when I'm on my morning run, you know, just looking at the the sun or the moon still being out or, you know, anything that's like just so much bigger than you, you just can't comprehend it. It really is attractive and it is inspiring and it allows you to kind of recenter, refocus who you are and where you are and why you are. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a horrible or I'm not really a musician at all. And so I, I'm not sure about how musicians are inspired by the Grand Canyon, but I do know that there's a ton of them that we've had routing through that have been inspired either in Sedona or the Grand Canyon or in the woods in Flag, um, inspired enough to be able to write a song or two. And that's always a, a good tribute to, to a place to know that, you know, somebody has enough clarity to be able to write a song because of it or be inspired because of where you live is a super cool thing. That's really awesome. I mean, I definitely felt that like Route 66, that just vibe there, it, you feel it. And I mean, Rand, you've put together over 1400 productions. Does any, is there any that stick out on a pedestal to you as just completely memorable? Yeah, you know, it, there are uh, a handful of, of different shows, I guess. Um, but, you know, I, I started a festival, a community festival uh, in Flagstaff back in 2010. And and that one is really special to me. You know, it started with like maybe 1500 people. And when I sold it a couple years back, it, we got up to about 8000 people. And, um, you know, that's more than 10% of the town, but it's, it was a really cool thing. And it's a two day festival now. And, um, and it's just a really special thing to, to throw a party and have a whole bunch of people show up and it's just hugs and a reunion and nothing but love all day and dancing. And um, so, yeah, that one kind of is the it's taking all of my know how from concerts, all of my know how from festivals or special events and then fundraising and just putting it all into one day or what used to be one day. And it's yeah, it's that one was uh, it was really cool to be a part of. And you had that running, uh, was that an annual type of event? Yeah, so it, it started or it started in July, but it used to run the first week in, in June every year. And so we had our 10th anniversary last year or the festival did, I'm no longer a part. Um, but yeah, it's called Flagstaff Hollabaloo and uh, it kind of took, took over or it um, bridged the gap from uh, what's called Tour de Fat or the, the Fat Tire Festival. Oh, nice. That's yeah. really cool. 
I mean, yeah, man, based on your experience, I could see how you started a marketing company. I mean, when you're able to put together so many festivals and events, when you get that many captive audiences in one place, I mean, that is a, a skill set in itself that's very rare. Yeah, it's kind of that guerrilla marketer is is what they refer to me as. And then the, the young kids at the in the agency are, are the they better understand the digital marketing and the, the data driven stuff. I love hearing that, Rand. My brother and I, uh, we were just talking about that before we got you on. We started our business in that mode. Like we've always been guerrilla marketers. When I you know, was in college at Indiana University getting into food delivery, that was what was in my head because you know I had no money and everything was on the ground. It was like, what am I doing? It started mouth to ear, you know? So that was what was really fascinating about having you on that you're a business owner in one of our markets that seemed to really have a grasp on community building. It seemed like an awesome synergy. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. And yeah, the, I read up a little bit about you guys and I feel like what drives us or what inspires us um, is very similar. Yeah. You know, it's people, it's always, I remember when we first started just being able to meet a bunch of former strangers and then you impact each other's day and it leads to something else. It's just, there's an energy in that that can't be put into words. And I know, you know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. I, I, that's exactly it. And and you, you nailed it when you said community building and um, you know, sometimes people on a really large scale call it changing the world and then, you know, contributing to their community or volunteering. And at the end of the day, you know, just smiling at somebody on the sidewalk is building community. Um, and so, you know, you guys going door to door is is uh, is not an easy thing to do. You have to have a certain type of personality, especially meeting all those strangers. But you you know you have to have that compassion, the empathy, the the love before before that conversation even starts. For sure. I mean, I couldn't agree more, man. So so where do you see the future hold for uh, Mountain Mojo Group? Uh, good question. So right now we're adopting uh, what's called the EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Are y'all familiar with the book Traction? I, I've heard of it. I have yet to read it though. How is it? Yeah, it, it's amazing. It's really a game changer. I've been telling a lot of people that I know that have had a business for a few years, a few to 10 years, you know, and if they've got six or eight or 10 employees or more, hundreds of employees that um, it's probably the fastest way to growth or productivity in my mind that I've ever seen in business. Wow. And so we just implemented it uh, three months ago, two and a half months ago. We have our third, what's called a vision building session uh, next Friday. But, um, but yeah, so we're putting that into place. And as that goes into place, not only does it identify and really solidify the culture side of the business, but then it also identifies and solidifies the process and the systems side of the business. And so when both of those things are, are working in unison, um, you know, it helps for retention. It helps, you know, for acquisition, recruitment, um, profitability, uh, efficiency, you know, all of those different things, but they're all identified and clearly defined. Um, so long to wait or to go back to your question. Once we have that in place, we're going to be really able, we're going to be able to scale. And so, you know, we've never really done outbound sales. And so I've been focused on that the last couple months. So we're going to start going after certain clients um, and then, you know, certain verticals and hopefully be able to scale the business with the mission. You know, our mission is to build community. Um, it's my personal mission, the, the business's mission. 
And um, so, you know, hopefully we'll be able to recruit as many people as possible who don't want to live in Phoenix or Chicago or the Silicon Valley, um, but still want to get paid well and, and work in digital uh, to move to Flagstaff and, and come help us build a successful business. That's really cool. And my question to you with that, Rand, is there a point of how do you know how many, I, this is a good problem, I'm sure, but is there a point where you're like, okay, we can't take on any more customers without a point of diminishing return for the value we create? I always wonder that with marketing companies, how you deal with that chicken or egg. Yeah, that, that is a tough one. And, uh, and I feel like, you know, without, and luckily nowadays there's this communication that has been created, all of these different channels where you can communicate and in you know, the old school agencies, they can't really expand or contract very quickly because they would have to hire or fire pretty quickly. And so, you know, they've always had this capacity issue as they grow and, or if they lose a certain client, you know, I have an agency mentor that has 120 employees and if he loses, he never has one client more than 8% of his revenue. But if he loses one client, he's got to lose two or three people. And so with subcontractors, you know, as kind of our ability to flex, that gives us the ability to really expand and grow quickly. And or if we need to cut back, then we can cut back on subs and not necessarily impact the current capacity of our, our uh, team. And so that should be able to, to allow us to scale as high as we want. And the only time I don't think that we would ever have diminishing returns, but we would definitely have um, you know, communication of growth issues. They always talk about the difference between being 10 and 50 and 50 and 100 employees. Um, we would run into those types of things where, you know, I would have, I would want to slow the pipeline down and slow sales down so that my partner and I could catch up to how to, what that next step looks like um, with the middle management and all the things it would beg. But for the most part, I don't know if we would, we'd ever get to a point and, and the whole point of our business was to start a marketing company and then start a whole bunch of businesses that use the marketing company to market. And so, you know, we'll probably get to a point where the marketing company is good and maybe we, you know, really minimize the amount of clients we're looking or the type of client we're looking for to slow us down. And then we'll start to grow as many other businesses as possible so that when we get into SaaS or if we get into, you know, certain websites, uh, if one of them starts to grow, we, we have the bandwidth to get there, to get behind it. And do you think it's important to at all times keep everything in Flagstaff? I know you mentioned a couple of times having people moving to Flagstaff, which I think is awesome. Is that really important to you to have everyone in the same place? Or do you think at some point you're open to the idea of having remote locations with your headquarters? That's a really good question. I, and it's probably a, a, a two-tiered answer or, or two different answers. Number one, I do think it's important for them to live in Flagstaff. It's just part of our mission. Um, when they live in Flagstaff, they buy a house, they pay taxes, um, they start a family, they coach Little League, they volunteer at churches, you know, they um, join boards, and that really helps to fulfill our mission. Um, and at the same time, you know, I listened to a podcast the other day, and the guy was like, it's crazy to think that you would only hire within a 10-mile radius of where you're uh, businesses and that people have been doing that for the last couple hundred years um, and now you can hire all around the world and why wouldn't you want that larger job pool or why would you limit yourself geographically to to you know way more talented people um, and so eventually I think that we will shift and we'll need someone on the east coast or we'll need a group on the east coast I just don't know what that looks like if it's another town similar to Flagstaff then you know it'd be a lot more attractive but if it isn't then 
we maybe just stay in Flagstaff and get more picky about what time we answer the phone. That's a cool, that's a really interesting way of selecting because I know Dan and I are always thinking about that with new hires, how to go about that process. And I love where your head's at with being picky with the selection process off. We want to make sure we have the right type of person fitting in this culture. So naturally, if somebody already is gung-ho on moving to where you're based, that going in is a pretty warm feeling. It is. It's funny because the last two hires we've had, well, I guess before this, the last one we hired is a climber, um, but the two before that are both marathoners. Um, and one is, you know, she's in the Olympic trials and the, one, the other one is a little bit older, but, you know, she runs ultra marathons. And so Flagstaff is a dream place for them to live for their lifestyle, but then for them to also be, you know, one's a designer and one's in social, but also does project management for them to also be in marketing, which is their passion and then have the lifestyle piece. You know, they always taught the cliched work-life balance. It's true when you get, get to a place where both of those things are really fulfilling, like you wouldn't choose anything else besides those two things. And so, yeah, we, we joke around about only hiring female marathoners from now on. <laughs> what would you say your life balances, Rand, when you're not working? Because you clearly are a workhorse. What are your passions outside of work? You know, recent, I, I met a girl a couple of years ago, and so that kind of slowed me down in, in work. Um, you know, I had been really focused on, on launching this company and getting it as sustainable as possible so that I could start all of, you know, I have all these other ideas every day, more and more ideas for businesses. Love it. Um, but when I met that girl, it kind of slowed me down a little bit. And she has a daughter, um, uh, an eight-year-old. And although I've always wanted a family, I've, there's been reasons why I haven't been able to have one. And so that's really my newest passion. And I, I just love it to death. I mean, I, you know, we make dinner and we eat together every night um, in the mornings. I wake up really early to be able to go for a run and get emails and done so that when they're up, you know, we can spend time. Um, you know, early afternoon, if I can get away for an hour and go to the pool and go swimming with them. So yeah, family is a really big deal. And then up until recently, it's been concerts and festivals and things like that. I really enjoy live music and I haven't been able to, to really fulfill that. And that's been a struggle, a, a big struggle for me. Oh man. Well, it sounds like you've, you've, it's been a struggle, but yet you've been able, it's been very gratifying that you met a woman and are able to have that family balance right now. Yeah, super blessed. Super. I mean, yeah, as far as all, some of the other people that are going through what they're going through in this pandemic compared to what I'm going through. Yeah, it's I'm I am extremely blessed and I'm in a yeah, I'm in a really I'm where I always wanted to be in life. Uh, I feel like I'm there right now. Rand, I really, I can tell you're a very mindful person. I think a lot of people, we all could learn a lot from this. I know you mentioned, I, I wrote a question, which I'm fascinated to hear this because I agree with you on this. When I brought up, what advice would you give somebody that wants to start a business? Can you shed some light on your answer with that? <laughs> yeah, typically it's a, it's a hard no. Uh, you know, I tell them not to. Um, and I tell them not to um because i want to scare them away the same reason why uh you know when i'm interviewing potential candidates when we're recruiting i tell them that it's a very specific type of person that's going to fit this role and a majority of people that i talk to do not fit this role um you know and i go over my core values and then try and figure out who they are and then i try and talk them out of the, the job as much as possible um, and i do the same thing with with uh with most people that come to me with ideas you know the bridge between an idea 
and a successful business is a really long and hard one. And so, you know, I try and let them know that, uh, you know, the sacrifices that they'll have to make to, to make this happen, or, you know, I'll bet their idea with them because I love brainstorming with new ideas, especially business ideas. Uh, and then I'll let them know, you know, potentially what the, if there's not a huge time investment, what the monetary investment might be. Here are a bunch of resources. You can get this business going without having to actually do it. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's a, a, a vetting process there at the very beginning where I try and scare the crap out of them and let them know that, you know, I've had a whole lifetime of blood, sweat and tears um, for little to no money or debt. And that um, that's an all too common story in entrepreneurism. And yeah, people just need to, to take a pause when they have a really good idea. And at the same time, if it's a really good idea and they believe in it, I'll give them everything I got to make it happen. That's awesome. Yeah, Rand, would love to break bread with you uh, next time we're in Flagstaff. Seems like we think alike. I would love to. Yeah, I listened to a few, few of the podcasts and then did a little bit of digging. And for sure, I think that, you know, other than me having an extra decade on you, um, I feel like we both appreciate and are attracted to to the hustle. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and Rand, in the food world, obviously, you know, we're in the food business. Had to bring this up a bit. You mentioned you are, you do dabble with delivery and pickup a bit. I, I do a little bit. You know, we, we've been, I, I typically am an eat out two meals a day kind of a guy. And I have been for, you know, the last handful of years. And so I know pretty much every place in Flag and I've got my favorites. Um, but recently, yeah, we've, we've kind of transitioned a little bit more into uh, me cooking every day. And so, you know, I've been downloading a lot of these different recipes and uh, spending a lot of money and time at the grocery store. And um, because the, the act of cooking is really social and a point of connection, um, you know, no, normally I the connections focused around the eating, but now the preparation is also a point of connection. I really am attracted to that. And so, um, you know, we get some delivery, mostly pizza, uh, I know you're an Italian food guy, so, you know, my oh, mom's yeah. lasagna is amazing, although she's not Italian. Um, it's one of my favorites. And yeah, so food is, is a big deal for me. It's always been a big deal for me. And it's more based around the experience, the full experience, than it is around the food itself. I love where your head's at with that whole the connection there with the preparation. I've got to try that because my problem is cleaning. That's my <laughs> biggest problem with the food experience. Yeah, I, you know, as an efficient person and as somebody from the service industry, you know, back of house, front of house, I've done it all. Um, I feel like as you, it's more of a game to me. I, I've gamified the food prep because I want to be as efficient as possible in the cleanup. And so I kind of cook and clean and cook and clean and cook and clean till the end of it, where mostly, you know, what's left is just the dishes on the table. So it's a little bit, it's a different mindset for me with the cleaning. Yeah, you've got that foundation built in. I, I wish I had that going into the that prep because it's a mess when I deal with that. <laughs> yeah, my girl is a different story. It's the the kitchen, the old kitchen bomb at the oh, end of it. Sure. And the cleanup's a little bit different. The cereal just with the spilled milk everywhere. <laughs> it's a different thing, yeah. And Rand, what would be your death row meal? Like last meal on earth? Obviously, calories mean nothing. You know, I was thinking about this and um, can, I, can I do two? Oh, yeah, of course. You can do okay. 50. Perfect. So, yeah, I, and I I drove up from Phoenix to uh, Flag this morning and so I had a few more minutes to think on it. And um, 
you know, as I mentioned, it'd be more of an experience or, you know, the experience side of things is, is important. So I, the first one I re I pictured, like I visualized as perfection for me, would be, um, so my dad's Hawaiian. And so it'd be Hawaiian takeout um, in Hawaii, but in a park under a tree, um, you know, with all the family around and, um, you know, Kahlua pig is really important. Um, poi or day old poi in there. Um, Lomi salmon is one of my favorites. Um, Hapia would be the dessert. And yeah, just sitting around camp chairs under a tree, like in the shade, uh, eating Hawaiian food would be amazing. Wow. I'm starving now. My stomach's <laughs> literally churning. That sounds incredible. Oh, man. Yeah, I go once a year, at least once a year. Um, I have three brothers and my mom lives out there, plus, you know, all the aunts, uncles, and cousins. And every time, like as soon as I get off the plane, I've got to get to some Hawaiian food as quickly as possible. Um, and then the second meal, you know, since I am a Florida boy and I, I love the ocean, I miss the ocean a lot. Um, you know, sitting at the beach, uh, growing up for us, um, you know, all my homies, we'd go down to the beach and we'd swim or be on the boat and come in, swim in and have lunch. And so, um, you know, sitting around the table, ice cold pitchers of beer, uh, probably some cigars, probably some dominoes and a blackened grouper sandwich, BGS, um, with some steak fries, um, a little bit of ketchup and like hot sauce, little mixture there the fries um and that cold beer and with like you know no cheese or any of the the garbage that they put on the you know really fresh grouper but the tartar sauce it's like homemade tartar sauce with a lot of lemon on top that's wow uh, Ren, i love your favorite. style man <laughs> i gotta say you take the cake for having the most thought out answer to i love it I, it really he does you've been the winner so far with the last meal <laughs> without a doubt Rand. Yeah, you really painted the full picture. And, and for our viewer, this guy clearly, if anyone needs marketing help, look at the details he spends on thinking about his last meal. I would be very confident with uh, a marketing strategy. Rand, where could our viewers find you with Mountain Mojo Group? I appreciate you asking. I appreciate y'all y'all having me. Uh, so it's mountain mountainmojogroup.com. And uh, we're about to launch our new site. I think it's next week or the week after. So um, there'll be a, a much updated portfolio. The, the old site's a couple years old. Um, but yeah, mountainmojogroup.com would be a And um, yeah, storytelling. We love to storytell. Specifically, we only work with locally owned businesses. Um, so uh, yeah, if anyone out there is looking for some marketing strategy or marketing support, we'd love to talk. So if Domino's hit you guys up to use your services, you'd say that? We would have to say no, not not wow. part of our mission, not part of our yeah. core values. Yeah, and this is a guy that speaks our language. Yeah, you guys are in an arena that I can only imagine being in. And for what you do and how you do it, kudos to you. It's it's really impressive. Oh, well, uh, we'll make sure to hook your team up with some coupons just for Mountain Mojo Group. I'll uh, create some for you guys. I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course. Thanks so much for taking the time, man. This was awesome. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. Hope, hope nice to meet all of y'all. Thank you. Yeah, next time you're in Flagstaff, beers are on me. Please let oh, me know. Definitely. Thanks so much, Rand. Have a good one, buddy. Appreciate it, Rand. That was great. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that's really cool. The power right there of just outreach, hit, hit Rand up on LinkedIn. We have a new buddy, you know? Like, that's a cool part of the world we're in right now. Yeah. For sandwich now. 
Yeah, seriously, he he's a he was a fun guest. Yeah, the only thing I didn't like about the last meal was the Domino's part. It felt like everything. Yeah, was- he's trying to. His whole thing is being around friends, having a good I time. I well, like I that was part of the whole, you know, game. Random. Yeah, Domino's created. It's good. What, what kind of code should we create for them? It doesn't matter. Like a ten percent off code. Yeah, you know, I haven't tried Domino's in years. I feel like I got to. Man, go you there. used to be a big Domino's guy when we were kids. I think you yeah. got to get back into that when we were little kids. What are you yeah. talking about? No, I wasn't. We were like little, little kids. Trust me. We, we You were. When we were like road trip kids. I, I'll never forget that Dan wanting Domino's cons when we were on a drive down yeah. to Florida when we had these pajama pants on. You remember those old school pajama pants where they you literally, they were attached? Like what? The whole, what? You know, or, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Where mom and dad had us in these damn... They're called onesies. Onesies. The, the worst thing in the world, though, with those, the old school ones, they had covers, like slippers embedded into the foot. It was so hot. It wasn't like you could slide in and out of them unless you took the whole thing off. So they'd have us in these things thrown in the back of a land cruiser on a 20-hour drive. I'm sweating my balls off. Dan's like, can we get Domino's, Dad? Like we, you, I'll never forget that. You were like four years old. That's Danny crazy. Domino's. Yeah, Danny. And back then, Domino's was pretty dope. When is the last time I've eaten it? They have done it. You know, Domino's got way better. I, I am not one to frequent that. I had John's Pizza last night, which was our mm-hmm. staple in New York. Me and Paul had that. My favorite pizza in New York City. Domino's down. has gotten good, huh? It's not John's Pizza, but it, it's good for how many yeah. Domino's there are. My rule of thumb, it's like exactly. you have sequels of movies. They usually get worse and worse. Domino's, you got to give them credit. They have thousands of locations, maybe, in the world. Yeah, yeah the James yeah. Bond of pizzas. Exactly, Conch. Wow. Conch, any any last thoughts? Like, what's your plan for dinner tonight? Are we doing this event? What's going on here? Uh, I don't know if I have the energy today, but that's we might have the schedule. Thursday or Friday. There's plenty yeah, coming. Yeah. Where would you guys be staying if you did? We'd have to just bunker up. Either I'm reading this like Dude, uh, you guys got to go do it. That sounds awesome. I know right? it kind of means energy going in, and I, I'm I'm with you later in the week if you want. Kind yeah, of. You'll you'll whip out the buds. It's gonna be. What do you mean? You know, I mean, I'm I'm gonna, gonna do it here. I we might have to make a Peyton Manning audible and make this happen. It honestly sounds like a fantastic time. If I was there, I would. I would force you. I know, well, Dan, Dan, if you were here, we'd be in Vegas at this point. Dude, if I was there, Governor Cuomo would be uh, quarantining me in a hotel room. Oh, God. Well, we'll, uh, we'll make it happen. Hopefully, when we get back on air with Conj, we'll have a bracelet. I could see Conj winning one of these. Conj, I hear, you been, lucky. I hear you've been playing the market. I know. Well, you know, dabbling, trying I know, not to. Conj, that's your story. I was. I, I hopped off, but... Yeah, I'm doing my best. Feeling lucky this week. Conj has been crushing it. Dude, I feel like you're feeling lucky. You guys got to get in the World Series event. I'm watching Jeff last night or two nights ago run hot. And uh, he's been playing. Jeff, I guess, found this guy on Twitter that organizes these games and they play them on PokerStars so it looks like it's free. And then they do the payout via That's payout. interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Sounds like it's pretty cool. He said, and also, have you guys ever heard of the poker room or America's yeah. poker room? America's poker room? No, no, no. America's card room, I think. What I have heard of is there's a World Series of Poker going on right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you guys should definitely go play in it. Conj, we are definitely getting you in a couple of these this week. We have to. You guys are some of the most convincing people I know, so I wouldn't put past you to get me to do it. Conj, you're having you on here again. Conj, yeah. you never even come to Vegas with us. We I know, that's why, he, that's why he has to play in these. We grew up all playing these poker events at like different people's houses. The best tournament we ever did was at your house. I can't believe you didn't that's come true. to Vegas. It's like, he'll be there in the future. Oh, yeah. I used to come to the city and Conjure would be chilling in a hammock set up in his apartment with a bandana playing online cards back in the back in the good old Wolf. Wolf. Those yeah. were my days. Yeah. Big, yeah. big nuts. Conjure's going to show up one year in Vegas and casually take like sixth in a, a, an event and then no one will ever see him again. I can see him. Yeah. Connell, let's go over your different poker names. One was Easy E's Kid. The other was Big L's Big Nuts. Yeah. And the and other Wolfie L4, which Mook used to watch religiously. Yo, you see Connell took that down again? Yeah. <laughs> Where's Young Man before we get off here? Can we where, see Where him? is it? Yeah, hold on a second. Yeah, I feel like every time we're on air, we need Miles in the frame for a minute, Paul, Sean, you know? I, I do think so. I think what we should do is have a, a private online game with the Roland Brothers, Corey, myself. Yeah, yeah there he is. What's up, Mike? That, 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 sound, that sounds boring. I mean, that sounds fun for us to all to do. Is like, What's up, pal? How's it going, he's young man? Great. I'm coming down to visit in September, bud. Yeah, he's pumped. He's Mr. Charleston. On my way down to Florida, I'm going to make a pit stop. Mr. Charleston. Yeah. <laughs> Does he still attack you when you try to leave? Uh, sometimes. Not he really. That's the kind of thing he does in the South. That was more of a mountain man thing. He's getting a little yeah. bit better at that. Yeah. He's, uh, the man, thin air was not good for the man. I think he needed to be down at sea level. Dude, you know what I realized? I used to always have a sore throat when I lived in Colorado. When I went back, I had it the whole time I was there. As soon as I landed, it was gone. Really? Yeah, yeah, I feel great. Yeah, sort of Dude, to the point where I was like concerned that I was like almost getting sick, and obviously being around mom and dad, the coronavirus, I had it, I got over it, but I got my test back and I was negative. As soon as I landed and left there, my throat felt completely. Dude, I tell, I always talk to Sean about that. I never felt good out there. Like I feel yeah. way better in New York. My throat would just yeah. always hurt when I was in Colorado. In Colorado, it would always take so long to get going in the day of like feeling good. That was always my issue out there. It was like, oh, I feel like shit for the yeah. first three hours of my day. The weed was too strong. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, guys, it's been fun. Hopefully, Conj and I will have a World Series bracelet to report. Yeah, well, you yeah. got to go plan the event to do that. It sounds like you guys are bailing. I'm not. I'm definitely going to be playing in a couple this week. I'm waiting for Conj to give the green light. So. Stevie, he's probably playing in some. Stevie right? has a kid on the way. I don't know if he's in that mode. On the way. On the way. Maybe he is playing. Yeah. So. All right. Everyone's sick of seeing us today, Dan. We've been on, like, Facebook Live for, like, 32 hours. Sure. Con, yeah. thanks for coming on, man. Any last words? Sorry about that, guys. Uh, last words. Uh, thanks, guys, for having me, as always. I'm always happy to be a substitute uh, teacher here. Oh, yeah. Or, or feeling and whatnot. And, uh, and, uh, feeling lucky. I'm always feeling lucky, you know, especially when I uh, talk to Lucky Danny in a week. Well, you know? I think Dan's giving you the nod to play in a World Series event here. There you go. 
Uh, I'm so I'm hour 40, Dan. What'd you say? It starts at an hour 40. I can't like get on a VPN and play from here. Probably not. I, I wouldn't do it. I, you could technically until you win money and then you're going to get it taken. What's the uh, site that you're playing on? What's that? What's the site that you're playing on? I think WSLP. So awesome. Yeah. Dude, you got to take that shit down. That's sick. You got to play, play in a couple this week for sure. I'm, I'm, I might play tonight. I'm probably going to end up playing Thursday and Friday. I'm waiting to hear from Conch. I want Conch to be all in on this. No, of course. But like once he gets set up, once yeah, Conch is in the mode, we're doing it. Like I'm You got to talk him into it. I'm expecting a big takedown too from this. I think you guys would take down the tournament. I know we would. And the winner of this tonight is a big one too. Well, I'll wait here from Conjure. All right. Well, all right, guys. Bootstrapped in the trenches, making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get Lowdell, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.